in your Bibles, if you'd turn to Romans chapter 12, and I know what you're already thinking. You said, Jordan, we were going to be done with Romans, and well, um, we we're done with this series called Belong, or Belong, and now I'm calling it a new series, and we're calling it Become. All right, okay. It's a, it, yes, thank you, Rick. You're my only friend here. I appreciate it. Uh, Jennifer, she's a good supporter, too. Brad, he's just leaving now, so. <laughs> oh, he's coming, he's coming back. Okay, all right. Uh, the next sermon series after this is going to be called Peace. So, but I'm thinking about maybe another B word that maybe would work for that. But yes. Anyways, I've diverged already. That's a pretty quick start uh, to things. Uh, uh, where, we, where we've been in the book of Romans, we studied the first eight chapters. And what my hope for that series was for you is for some, maybe solidifying for us our foundation, our foundation in Christ and how we belong to God. We belong because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ laying down his life for us, rescuing us of our sins. He has adopted us to be a children in his family. Jew and Gentile alike, we have our life in God because of Jesus Christ. And so uh, those eight weeks, we're spending time just really digging into what Romans uh, and what Paul is doing there to uh, encourage us in our faith, encourage our foundations. And so for those that um, maybe that was old news, uh, but it's still a reminder of the good news of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for us and our life in him. And so if you look at maybe the first eight chapters and the first eight weeks of uh, this bigger Romans series uh, that has two parts on it that I snuck in on you, uh, the first part is doctrine. The first part is here's who we are, here's what we believe, here's how we are founded in Jesus and our lives are in him. This is how we belong. And the second part, we're just going to look at Romans chapter 12. So this is a series on Romans 12. Romans 12, then, is looking at not the doctrine, but our duty. What is our obligation? What is, what is the sort of expectation of a person who belongs to Jesus Christ? Who are we becoming? Who do we become now that we belong to Jesus Christ? We experience this in all sorts of things in our life. What are some groups that we find ourselves a part of that you have to sort of adjust your lives to? Um, was, who, who grew up uh, a Boy Scout? Who was a Boy Scout when they were younger? Right, there's a few of you. Now, when you became a Boy Scout, there were some expectations to when you belonged to being a Boy Scout. You guys had to earn your badges. You had, did you have to say a pledge? And you had to earn different badges for doing different things. I was not a Boy Scout, as is evident in my explanation of being a Boy Scout. Become a Girl Scout, you same things, and you sell cookies. And like, if you didn't sell cookies, right, were you really a Girl Scout, right? There are things that attach to when you belong to something, then you become something by being formed by that community. And so when we get into... Uh, when we get into school and we get into our groups, we get into our clubs, we get into football teams and basketball teams and choir and all those different things that we can belong to, those start shaping who we are, what we do, and what matters to us. And so the question that I want to present to you or just kind of 
get your mind thinking about through this series is, is that if you affirm with me that you belong to Jesus Christ, then there are a few affirmations for you that you're also saying with that, and you're saying, I belong to a church, I belong to God, I belong to his family. And by belonging to this, there is something that transforms who I am, and I start living my life differently because I belong to the family of God. And so what we end up running into, and we get, we get into some treacherous theological waters, because it feels like Jordan is saying, okay, I have to do a lot of things now to be loved by Jesus. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that because I belong to God, I want to become who he's called me to be. And by becoming who he's called me to be, then there are things in my life that need to be transformed and renewed. There are things that are a part of me that have no business in the family of God, things of sin and evil and selfishness and pride that need to fall away when I say I belong to something much greater than myself and I belong to you and with you together in Christ. And so what Paul does, I think, is he sets the stage for this moment throughout the book of Romans. He's, he's knocking down like sort of uh, all sorts of theological, um, or he's building theological foundations for us so that we can then say, in light of all that Jesus has done in his faithfulness, how do I now live a faithful life? How do I walk with God in community? And what one of the most beautiful things for us is, is that this is not designed for us to be our own sort of individual selves in the sense that it's all riding on you, but that this is a group collective effort, that we are all being spiritually transformed together as a body of believers who belong to Jesus Christ, that this is not an individual pursuit, but collective. And I have a question at the end of my message, but I want to also bring it in front of you now, and that is a sort of accountability question to each and every one of us. And that is, is, Etna Green, is the Etna Green Church of Christ a community that helps me grow in Christ-likeness? The premise of this series is that you belong to Jesus Christ. And now it's time to become like Christ. How do I become like Christ? What are the things that I do? What are the activities? What are the priorities? What are the things in my life that will help me grow in Christ-likeness. And so if you want to be encouraged in that, this is the series for you. Become. We are becoming like Christ. Let's pray, ask for God's blessing, and dig into his word. God, thank you for today. We thank you foundationally that we belong to you through your son. And God, now as we look at uh, Romans 12, as your inspired word, Lord, you have laid out for us a hope you've laid out for us, encouragement and challenge, Lord, that we would become more and more like you. Lord, you call us to holiness. You call us, you call us to reflect you and bring glory to you. And so, Lord, uh, this morning as we reflect on our lives, as we reflect on the church, as we think about our walk together and our walk with you, I pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds to you now, that we would know you, that we would know your heart and your will. Lord, that that desire to honor and glorify you 
that you would not only plant those seeds this morning, but you would water them and grow them to an abundant fruit, that we would glorify you in all that we do, that we would be a blessing to one another, a blessing to our community. And so God, the challenges, the encouragements here that we are about to read, I pray God that we would be convicted by your spirit to grow in Christ-likeness and to honor you with our lives. Uh, we love you, God, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 12, we're going to read the first 10 verses this morning. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. In the first 11 chapters, we are taught how we belong to Christ. In Romans 12, we are challenged to become like Christ. These activities and this call of what Paul is calling out to us is this, this sort of challenge for us to say, what does a holy and pleasing life look like to God? He doesn't just say, here's the challenge, be Christ-like. He's saying, here's what they do. And he gives us a nice, uh, nice list, and we'll get into more of it throughout this series. But at the end of the day, it's this love must be sincere. We hate what is evil. We cling to what is good. We honor one another above ourselves. And so I have a question for you. How are you being transformed and renewed? Who is it that I reflect. How do I live? How do I care for others? How do I function in this world? I think sometimes we just sort of go through the motions in our life and we're not thinking about who we are becoming. And I, we have to kind of draw ourselves back and say, what are the habits in my life and what are they doing to me? Currently, our family is addicted, all of us collectively, we're all to blame. We're all addicted to the same little game on our phone called Royal Match, and it's just bejeweled only. It's got like a different theme to it. And I'll tell you what, we're all saying, where are you at? How are you doing with it? And, and we're all, we're repenting together. We're working through this. Like, we're having fun with it, but it's like, it's borderline. Like, we shouldn't be this addicted to it, right? But we have these things that we all do in our lives that are just a sort of a part of our lives, and we've let it come in. And so we need to ask the question, what is this doing to me? Like if I were to have a steady diet of biscuits and gravy every morning, I should be asking myself this question, what is this doing for me? 
and one is providing happiness. But two, you know, but two is probably not helping my cholesterol, which, you know, it's like we, we need to think about what we are doing and how it is forming us. And so there's things like the food we eat and the apps that we uh, consume, appetizers and apps on our phone. Uh, but then there are these things in our life, the shows that we uh, sort of, you know, we don't just watch a show now. We watch the show and we do it in this one sitting. And we need to ask our question, how is this forming me? We consume content because it's available. We don't, we don't ask, should I consume this? We just see that the content's available, and so we consume it. And we say, well, I have access to it, so I might as well have it and keep it. We, uh, we work really hard, and our jobs, they, they are forming us. We should ask our questions. How is my job forming me? How is it shaping me? The influences that are around me, how, how is it impacting my thinking? How is it impacting my faith? How is it impacting my well-being, my soul? We should ask questions about our lives, about the routines and the habits and the things that we take in and the people we are exposed to, the people that we're influencing, the people who are influencing us. And so Paul, he, he takes this notion, I think, and he says to the church, he says to us that we shouldn't be conformed to the patterns of this world. We shouldn't be formed by all of these surrounding things, but rather we are called to transformation. And it's Martin Luther King Jr., who says in his, uh, in his book, uh, Strength to Love, on the chapter uh, non uh, Transformed Nonconformist, he says that it is the work of God and his spirit. It's not just being nonconformed, but it's the power of God's spirit at work in us that gives us the power and capacity to truly be changed, truly be reformed and renewed. That just nonconformity is just a pain in the, you know, it's this being difficult. But he's, God is calling us not to just nonconformity, he's calling us to a transformed life that actually makes a good difference in the world, a good difference in the communities that we're a part of. It's not just being nonconformist so that you can be contrarian and make life difficult. God is not calling us to be teenagers. God is calling us to be transformed community renewed by the Spirit of Christ. He's calling God's Spirit into our lives to say, there is something different about us, and it's, it's not just nonconformity. It's this refusal to say, I'm going to be shaped by the world that, I would be, that my faith would be squeezed out and, and the love for God would disappear. Paul is saying you need to be nonconformed by this world so that you can be renewed in your heart and your spirit and your mind, that you can be a transformed community that reflects God's goodness in this world and his spirit community transforms this world. Because we belong, we can now become Christ-like. Because we belong to God and he's forgiven us our sins, we can now be that forgiving community. Because we belong to God through his faithfulness and we have his peace, we can now be peacekeepers in the world and peacemakers in the world. Because we've been adopted by God, we can be the most loving and welcoming and hospitable people and help them know that no matter what their past is, they have a place and a life and a hope in the mercy of God. Because we belong, we can help others belong and we can become more and more Christ-like. There's a 
There's three H words I want you to know today. And like, if you leave with anything and you're like, oh, yeah, that was good stuff. I want you to have these three H words. I'm going to give you two of them now. Hospitality. And uh, what's the other one? Hospitality. I have it in there somewhere. Got it. Hospitality and holiness. Good job, Emily. Hospitality and holiness. You know, if you ever make that sort of proclamation when you're preaching, you should make sure you remember it too. Just a tip for preachers out there. Whatever. Hospitality and holiness. Hospitality is my love for others. It's my it's my welcomingness. It's my it's not just welcoming people into your home. It's about having the spirit of hospitality of it, of just helping people feel like they have a place in your life. And I think that what God is doing in our lives, and we think about becoming Christ like. Is Jesus hospitable? There are some annoying people that come into his life, and I, I'm always just, and I, we know the annoying people, right? It's like, you're just like, oh, here they come. Got to behave, you know? I don't do that with any of you. Uh, no, <laughs> that's a mean thing to joke about. The, uh, being hospitable, and Jesus is welcoming to the people that are going to be most difficult in his life. People are going to demand much of him. He is welcoming to them. Even people that Jesus shouldn't be hospitable to, that it was socially not acceptable to be welcoming to, Jesus is welcoming to them. Oh, that's our Samaritan. We don't don't like those people. But here he is welcoming them. Jesus is hospitable to people. And I think that in our formation, in our renewal, in our becoming like Christ, in our ability to test and approve what God's good and perfect will is, I think he's calling us to being hospitable, to being welcoming, to loving others, to opening our lives to people who need Jesus the most. It's more than opening our homes, it's opening our heart. It's opening our time, it's opening our resources, it's opening a sense of God is calling people into my life and they need Jesus and I want to be that for them. I want to love them. I want to welcome them into community together. And so it's a really a genuine question. Are you being hospitable? And it's not whether or not the dishes are clean and the kitchen's picked up or the house is vacuumed. It's, is your heart open to people? Are you hospitable? That's what helps me know, am I loving to others? And holiness, holiness is my love for God. And I feel like, I, th- I think that we get that we need to be hospitable. And I think in our culture, it's been, uh, well, it's always been, but it feels harder than it's ever been to be holy. Paul calls us to holiness. He says, you, we are a holy and set-apart people for the glory of God. You are set apart for God's glory. You, you are. And I know that that seems impossible, but if you, it seems impossible if you don't have chapters 1 through 11. But because we have chapters 1 through 11, we can now say, not only am I not separated from God, but I actually belong to God and I have a life in Him and I'm separated for His glory. Because I belong, I can be a holy child of God. I am forgiven of my sins. I am blessed by God. I am holy. Not because of anything significant that I've done, though I'd like to tell you all of those things, right? 
I got a sticker today from my friend Danny that says I'm Supa Dupa, <laughs> and I'm wearing it for you to put on display that I am special and set apart. And God feels that way about you, and I'll give out stickers later for you to reiterate the fact that you belong to God. You are distinctly different because you belong to Jesus Christ. And because you are called out, because, <laughs> yeah, Caden's uh, ready to give them all away. Danny won't be happy, but anyways. You are called apart by God to be holy. You are distinctly different in a world that is filled with conformity, and they are conforming to desires and self-righteousness and all sorts of pride. But God is calling us out of this world in, that's forming all sorts of evil and rebellion and wickedness, God is calling you to righteousness. He's calling you to obey the will of God and to trust in Him. He's calling you out of this world that has so many pressures for us. How many different ways are you being pulled at present to conform to the world? How many different ways? Let's give our opinion right now on LGBTQ+. And see how that goes for us. Whether or not we should be formed or conformed to the world. Right now, that put you on edge because you know that that moment and that conversation is filled with a lot of things that are going to cause a lot of pressure and a lot of problem. And we can be the most loving people and stand for what we think the Bible and believe the Bible to teach and we can come off as the worst people in the world because we think that sexual promiscuity is sin. But we look at our world and we see this conformity to the immoral and pushing things to the furthest edge and we say, how do I stand for truth? It would be so much easier just to be formed and shaped and look like the world and just believe what they think. Not just about that big thing, but all of these little things and it's sort of death by a thousand pokes to our identity as people who believe that Jesus is Lord. He's the Savior of the world. He's rescued us. He's redeemed us. We belong to him. And there are so many pressures in our world that just want to pull us away and form us and think that we will, we will fit in and then maybe we can tell them about the love of God. But we've lost our holiness. We lose our holiness and all of the syncretism of our faith. Syncretism's a fancy way of just asking how many things can we add from the world our life and our faith before we lose our identity in Jesus. And it's a struggle. It's a very real struggle. How much can we add? You know, and there's lots of little sermon illustrations of things you can do, uh, but you could just have a glass of water. How much can you add of something, of a substance that you wouldn't want in there before you've decided you don't want to drink the water. And I won't get graphic with it, but I mean, how much do you want, how much would you put in before you'd say, you know, I'm not going to drink that water anymore? Some of you are weird. Like Dan, he would add a bunch of stuff and drink it. And be like, whatever. This is a true story, and he's laughing because he's know I, he knows I'm right. But how much can we add to our faith before it's been twisted? before it's no longer glorifying and honoring God. And so I think, as a church, 
the demands and a call to holiness is still true. I want you to hear me on what I'm saying about all of those things. Every single person in the category that I mentioned needs Jesus Christ and a life with him. And how we do that is through hospitality. We do it through love and conversation. We don't stand as a bunch of elitists who have it all figured out. We stand as a group of people who know Jesus has figured it out for us. That he loves us and he's redeemed us and we have a life in him. But this call, this challenge, don't be conformed by the world. We need to take it seriously. And it's not just being nonconformist. It's being transformed people who have new lives. And he's called us into new community. And that new community, Paul says, you are now the body of believers. You are a body of Christ. And every part of this has been graced. We've been graced with gifts. This is not from ourselves. It's a gift from God is what he says to us, that you've been graced with many talents and many gifts. And the whole setup, and this is a frustrating chapter to me, and a frustrating verse, because it feels like I have to be all of those things and I put those pressures on me, that I'm the teacher, I'm the prophesier, I'm the encourager, I'm the server. And I can prop myself up in a position where I become the most important person, and that's not the point of the text. I mean, I am super-duper, but, but you are too. If you have the gift of teaching, teach. Don't wait for some approval or like blessing or whatever. Go teach. Teach people about Jesus Christ. If you have the gift of teaching, if you have the gift of educating and articulating and clarifying, if you have the ability of helping people grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ, use it, please, please, for the sake of our body, use it. If you are an encourager, Keep practicing the gift of encouragement. Don't give up. We need you more than ever. And some of you are the most encouraging people in my life, and I love you so much for it. Keep going. Keep encouraging. We need you. If you have the gift of generosity, Pastor Appreciation Month was last month, but keep going, (laughs) right? No. If you have the gift of generosity, we need you to bless and encourage and care for those who are in need. Whether it's physically, materially, or spiritually, we need your generosity. We need your kindness. What else does he say? Prophecy? We're thinking, oh, that's not me. Do you pray and do you listen to the Lord? Does he impress truth on your life? He'll give you the courage to say it too. Speak truth in a world filled with falsehood, Speak the truth of God's love in this world. The body of Christ needs it. If you have these gifts, which God has given graciously as a gift from above, he has gifted all of you in one of these ways or more. And Paul is saying, we are a family. Use this gift together. We are transformed by this sort of community that uses their gifts together for the glory of God. And so when I think about my life, I think about these things. I think about, am I holy before God? Do I live my life set apart for him and his glory? And that's a question that you need to ask yourself. You are called to a holy life before God. 
And that means that you live a life that's not conformed to the patterns of the world, but it's transformed by the renewing of your mind. Through the power of God's Spirit in your life, you can be holy and set apart for Him. Do you live your life loving God? Are you living your life hospitable to others? Do you love others? Do you welcome them into your life? And here's your last H word. It's how Paul uh, sort of wraps up for me and our text so far, and that is honor. Do you honor others above yourself? At the end of the day, I think honor covers everything. Am I honoring my spouse? Am I honoring my neighbor? Am I honoring the church? Am I honoring the church family? Am I honoring God? Am I honoring my enemy? Am I honoring my children, my grandchildren? Am I honor who am I giving respect and care and dignity and love and kindness? Who am I serving? How am I caring for them? And if I get the honor thing right, I think hospitality and holiness go right together. That if I'm looking to the interest of others, I'm honoring them. If I walk into my home and I expect for Wendy and the kids to honor me and just sort of serve me and that I'm above them, um, you know, that went well on Tuesday, but no, (laughs) right? Like we can't have that spirit coming into our homes of thinking that the world exists to serve me. Tim's scripture reading today was perfect for today's message. We have a Savior who came to serve the world. The way he showed hospitality and the way he showed holiness was by serving and honoring others above himself. The Son of Man, who was with God in the beginning, the creator of the heaven and the earth, served, and he laid down his life. Friends, will you be holy? Will you be hospitable? And will you honor others above yourself? I think when we do that as a community, when we think about where we belong and who we belong to, and, and if we're honest about my last question, is the Etna Green Church of Christ a community that helps me grow in Christ-likeness? It is if you'll let it be. It is if you would take seriously hospitality, inviting people together into your life to spend time with them, learn about what makes them tick, learn about their life and their family and their kids, Love them and welcome them and open your hearts to them. And watch how the Etna Green Church of Christ helps you become more like Jesus. Spend time worshiping as a church family. Today's worship was great. Zach, man, he really went to town on that We Believe song. I mean, he was really spicing it up a little. I liked it. But worshiping together is important. Being a part of community that fellowships and worships God shapes us in our holiness. It forms us. We spend all week being formed by so many different things. 
How important is this to your formation in Christ? The Etna Green Church of Christ can be a community that helps you walk with Jesus Christ. If we decide today that it's going to be a formative thing for each of us, will you be hospitable? Will you be holy? Give your life to worship and glory of God. And will you honor the people that are around you today? Will you honor them? Will you serve them? Will you encourage them? Will you use the gifts God has given you to be a blessing in their life? And I promise this community would be transformed. Would you be that church? Honor, hospitality, and holiness. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for today. Lord, in a world filled with brokenness and suffering and pain, you've called us out of darkness and into the light. You've called us out of despair into hope. You have called us, Lord, out of death into life. So I pray, God, that if we are hungry for a word from you today, that we would be filled by the challenges and encouragement that Paul laid out for us so many years ago. Lord, that if we came here hurting, Lord, that today we would have heard something from you, that we are healed, that we are rescued, that we are saved, that we are forgiven, that there is a life in you, and we have purpose and hope today. God, if we've come into this place in darkness, may we see your light. You are good. Lord, in a world that has rejected you, you haven't rejected us. We are loved. No matter how we lived our lives before this moment, no matter what falsehoods or no matter what sins, no matter what we've done, God, today there's grace. We can belong to you. Help us today to become more like you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Let us walk with you today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand in response for this.